0: Know what an honor it is uh, to me personally for you to be here uh, this evening. Um, there's a lot of other places you could have been, other good churches you could have gone to, um, other interests you could have pursued, and um, I appreciate you uh, putting forth the effort to be here uh, to give place to our heavenly Father and His Word uh, in your life and um, and His servant. Amen me Uh, i'm here to serve you and i appreciate you being here to be served uh, tonight we see in scripture before we read this verse um we we see in scripture where where you know certain apostles planted seed of the seed of the word others watered it but ultimately god gives the increase from the word and we know of course that jesus talked uh extensively uh in, in one of his most important parables about planting the word of god and and the 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 fertile soil of of men's and women's hearts and how the the condition of a person's heart is like the condition of soil that the seed is planted in and so we see the Apostle Paul built on that later when there was a division in the Corinthian church. There were some that were saying, well, I'm Paul only. Oh, well, I got, I got born again under Apollos' ministry, and so I'm Apollos only. And, and Paul is like, man, this is so carnal. You know, all of, all of the ministers that have ministered to you are gifts from God to you, and they're all yours. And, and, and to divide yourself like that um, is, is petty and and silly. Because he said one may uh, plant, but the other may water, but ultimately it's God who gives the increase. And as I was praying over and meditating on the, the message tonight, not just the message tonight, but the, the subject that we've been on now for some weeks, um, I, it's like the Lord kind of built on that same biblical uh, example, but <clears throat> he said that, you know, before you can plant the seeds, you've got to plow the ground. And so sometimes when we teach and preach, we flow, and I like to flow, but then there's other times where we we have to plow. We've, we've got to dig some things up and, and cultivate some things. But then there's even a stage that goes before plow, and anybody know what you've got to do to the ground before you can plow it? You've got to clear it. Um, Brother Jerry Godwin has been clearing some of our property back behind the, uh, the building that the church owns across the street, and um, he's back there, you know, big trees mimosas hedges all this other stuff he's got it looking really really good back there um, and of course the idea is we're going to grade it down and get it where we can mow it so the subject that we're on right now we're we're trying to do some plowing we're trying to do some planting we're trying to do some watering but a whole bunch of what we're we we've got to do is we we've got to dig up some of the Uh, trees that our father didn't plant in people's hearts there's a lot of uh, wrong believing there's a lot of wrong thinking uh, around this subject and strategically so by the the, the devil himself because what we're talking about now Christ in you the hope of glory Satan does not want you or the body of Christ to ever really get hold of this And, and we've said that that You know, the final frontier of discipleship is not who you are in Christ, but it's who he is in you. And so we want to go where uh, not enough of God's, you know, what's the Star Trek thing, go where no man's gone before. Well, thank God Jesus went there first for us and set this example for us and paved the way and made the way for us to be able to follow him into uh, what we're looking at. He's the ultimate example for us in in these things where a human being has the glory of God in them operating through them thank you Jesus thank you for that amen sister because that's that again is the reality and and just to say that in some places thank God not here but just to say that in some places you know folks start getting defensive and nervous because they've been told so many wrong things about this subject that we got to weed out some things we got to plow up some some soil get the soil ready but ultimately we're going to keep going after this uh, until it begins to produce the kind of fruit in our lives that father god desires for it uh, to produce in our lives and so we see that in in the in the final days the last days and i believe we're in the last days now a day unto the lord is as a thousand years so we could be in the last few hours of the last day and it still be 300 years i mean you you, you, i mean you you follow what i'm saying amen um and so we have to keep those things in perspective because you know earlier generations of the church began to say well you know god's not coming back and it's just that jesus didn't tell us right and 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 they said no look god's long you know god's not slack concerning his promise but he's long suffering to us where he's not willing that that any should perish if the lord was come back right now a whole bunch of people would be lost a whole bunch of people would perish and so um, he's patient because he wants as many folks to come into the body of Christ as possible. But but I believe there's another reason why he's patient, and that's because um, Father God has a a desire and a plan and a purpose for you and me as individuals, but then also for us collectively as the body of Christ, that he wants to see come to fruition. He wants to see it come to pass. Amen. And, and there's a lot of that that the church is still growing up into. Still maturing up into, and um, I know one of Brother Jesse Duplantis's his theme this year is "Do the Work," and um, Pam and I were privileged to hear him first preach that in January in in the in the ministers' conference there in Texas. But if you haven't heard him preach on that subject, he's basing that out of the Scriptures where Jesus said, "When this gospel is preached as a witness in all the nations, then Jesus will return," and so. Ultimately, Jesus's return to the earth um, is based upon, or even we could say, dependent upon the body of Christ in the earth preaching the gospel. You know, to every people group, every nation um, on the planet. So we we talk about you know why is God delaying His coming, uh, but it's because a lot of folks in the body of Christ aren't doing the job, Amen. <laughs> that we've been called to do, and so it's not just Him. Uh, uh waiting uh we're not waiting on him so to speak uh, so much as perhaps he's waiting on us but i think the other factor in all of that is um you know the bride is being prepared amen we we are we are being made ready and so we see in john 15 and 8 jesus says by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples and so we talk about this discipleship class that's starting next week and it's a big commitment it's 36 classes you have to get here early and that sort of thing um and we're not trying to make it hard on purpose but we see thank you holy spirit hold that thought let's go back so in the last days in the last days he said people will always be learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth and one of the reasons for that is that they will not endure sound doctrine it'll not endure sound doctrine and i think some of the I don't know the right word to, to put in all this. I've, I've been trying to really get settled uh, in this series, and, I, and I, I know the Lord's shown me that I've, I've kind of gotten ahead of where I need to be. There's some things that we need to put in place first and then get to good works and what those good works really are and, and, and so forth and so on. Um, but the other part of this is that, just to be honest with you, this is a big subject, and I, I've already got I don't know how many pages of notes um, 20-something thousand words, uh, this is going to become uh, a book, amen, um, and, and so it just takes a minute, uh, and I, so when I say that, that it's such an honor for you to be here and for you to be committed to what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights, and, and you know endurance, uh, putting in the time, uh, you know, taking piece by piece by piece, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to knit those things together, uh, again, thank you for that. And I believe that um, the, the future benefits will be well worth any effort that you put into uh, hearing and understanding and learning these things. Amen. So he says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And so our Father in heaven is glorified when we produce fruit, when, when we um, do things in, in our own lives that, that, that reflect him and reveal him uh, who he is, what he has and what he can do, his glory, that's his glory. Father is glorified when who he is is revealed in the way you live. Father is glorified when who he is is revealed in the things that you have. And he is glorified, amen, in, 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 in the way that uh, when he is revealed in, in what he can do, rather, is revealed in in things that you do. Amen. So, Father is glorified by much fruit. We said that fruit is outward evidence of an inward reality fruit is outward evidence of an inward reality one more time fruit is outward evidence of an inward reality now let's go to our our keystone verse for this series it's colossians chapter 1 and verse number 27 colossians 1 and 27 and we see there's a lot of build up um, to this uh, particular passage where he refers to it as a mystery that is basically the culmination of all mysteries revealed that you know we we've looked on Sundays in in a in a for a different purpose in a different uh, study where there were things that have been revealed to us and made available to us that had been kept hidden and had been kept a secret since the foundations of the world Um, things that other generations holy men and prophets godly men and women in generations before jesus came to this earth things that they longed to know things that they would have given anything to have explained to them or been told to them but were not told they did not hear it they because it was not available for them to hear it and know it but it's now revealed and made available for you and for me to hear and to know but remember it's not just so we can uh you feel superior because we know something somebody else doesn't know it's so that we can do right father wants to reveal things to us and and teach us things so that we can then utilize those things to do what we couldn't do before all right so colossians 1 and 27 he says to them god will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles not just the jewish people but against all people groups of the uh, on the earth and here it is Christ in you, this is the mystery, he said, this is, this is the big reveal, this is, this is the part that, um, that you know, everything else was leading up to, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, based upon the context, we know that this is huge. This is a really, really big deal. This, this, is, this is important. And I know sometimes when we read this, we read over it. You know, there's not a lot of big words here. You know, Christ in you, hope of glory, and all these, you know, one, two-syllable words. Um, but you've got to remember that one of Satan's strategies that he tries to use against us is to trivialize things that are uber important. Things that are, are, are you know, just absolute, eternal, you know, precious pearls, uh, pearls of great price, precious things, priceless things, Satan tries to paint them in a trivial um, light, in a, you know, not that big a deal, not that important, okay? Now, and the reason Satan... Is trying uh, to confuse us and deceive us and trivialize um, what these things are, is because he fears the fulfillment of Colossians 1 and 27 in your life more than he fears anything else other than the day he'll be thrown in the lake of fire. I really believe the Holy Spirit, and you search that out, but I really believe the Holy Spirit spoke that to my heart this afternoon. That the devil opposes this, the devil tries to trivialize this, he tries to confuse us, he tries to downplay this, he tries to, to obscure this and, and, and listen, I, I'm not trying to you know pat us on the back, but this isn't being preached enough. I mean th- th- again, th- this, this is the, the crux, it's the heart, it's the focus. everything that Jesus bought and paid for, he bought and paid for so that this verse could be fulfilled in you and then ultimately through you. And so the devil fulfills, the, the, the devil rather fears the fulfillment of this verse. And um, remember now, I've told you this before, I'm going to tell you again. So many of God's people are playing checkers and the devil's playing chess. He, he, is, he is very strategic. He looks uh, long-term at what he does. And he tries, um, you understand, play the long game, Right um why is procrastination such an issue right why why are we so tempted to put things off till tomorrow that we should do today it's because the devil's trying to outlast you he's trying to get you to to say well we'll do it one day we'll 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 do it later we'll you know i don't know enough i'm not gifted enough i don't have enough money i don't have enough this i don't have enough that we'll do that when we retire whether and and he's just hoping that he can uh, put you off long enough until you're too old that you don't have the time or the energy or the effort or whatever amen and so he, he'll play that long game with you he'll play that that strategy game with you um, without ever realizing that life is passing us by I know we're eternal beings but the time that we have to do what we've been put on this earth to do is limited amen now we see Christ in you the hope of glory the hope of glory, The potential fulfillment of this verse in your life is why the devil regrets killing Jesus. We've covered that already, but I just want to bring that back up on the table again. The hope of glory. Now, what I want us to focus on tonight is what does the hope of glory really mean? What, what is the hope of glory? What does this actually mean? Can I tell you what? A lot of the body of Christ believe about the hope of glory and they couldn't be more wrong about it. They believe the hope of glory is the hope of heaven. A lot of people read this verse and 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 we interchange um, heaven and glory as if they mean the same thing. Heaven is a glorious place, but the glory of God and the location known as the third heaven and the paradise of God where where we will go either in the rapture or if if you're born again either by rapture or by grave amen that's one thing but the hope of glory is not the same thing as the hope of heaven amen see for that matter the bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 2 that if you've been born again you're already in heaven So, he's talking about a confident expectation of something. This word hope has to do with expectation. And so, when he says Christ in you, the hope of glory, he's literally saying Christ in you, a confident expectation of glory. Now, the hope of glory is also more than the hope for a better life. Jesus came to give us a better life he came to improve the condition and quality of our life but the hope of glory is more than the hope for a better life so again Christ in you notice these two things are only separated in the English translation by a comma Christ in you the hope of glory so he's talking about next level expectation considering What this expectation is based upon. He's talking about an hope is expectation. He's talking about an expectation that is only uh, possible because Christ is in you now. He's talking about the expectations that we should have and can have because something has changed and Jesus Himself, the anointed one in His anointing, is now living inside of us. Let me give you this same verse in the Amplified: "To whom God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles, um, to whom God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ within and among you, the hope of realizing the glory." I like that right there. The hope of realizing the glory. I've been uh, doing some teaching of, of late in, in the morning classes about the difference between real change and realized change. Real change is the change that Father God produces in us when we're born again. He literally transforms us into something that we were not before. But the realized change, in Lord, words, when I say realized change, I'm talking about when you experience that change in your life reality. This only comes through the renewing of the mind, amen. So a a, a realized change. Notice again, it's, we're just saying it another way. It's when the when the inward reality of the new birth becomes an outward expression of life. When the inward reality of the new birth is realized in your life and living experience, or we could say it this way: If something is realized, this is when it becomes real. Now, when I say becomes real, it's not that what God has done on the inside of you is not real. It's absolutely real. It's eternally real. Amen. But when we talk about our physical expression of life, our life reality, this is what he's talking about here, when the hope of realizing the glory of God. In other words, before Jesus came to live inside of us, we had absolutely no right to expect the glory of God to be in us, our work, and operate through us. Okay, you see this. But because He's in us now, we have an expectation of His glory in us becoming a reality through us. The inward reality again becoming an outward expression of life. So he's talking about the hope of realizing the glory. The hope of realizing the glory. The hope of the glory of God becoming a reality in your life Let me give you the the last part of this verse from the message translation. He says, The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. This was the substance of the Apostle Paul's message. Now he preached, obviously, um, grace. He preached um, righteousness through the new birth. There's all kinds of things Um, that the holy spirit chose to reveal to the body of christ through the apostle paul it's a very important figure in church history a man that god used and used powerfully and used mightily but you have not preached the pauline revelation until you've preached christ in you the confident expectation of realizing the glory of god this was the message that he preached and so when you see him and hear him, especially like, man, if you have time before you go to bed tonight, go back through 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5, where he talks about the glory of God in the face of Jesus and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And he talks about how Moses experienced the glory that was fading away. And, and, and now we are able to look into the face of the glory of God and be transformed into that same image. He talks about uh, Jesus himself being magnified in his mortal body. Man, I, again, so this was the, the message that Paul preached. There's a lot of denominations that talk about, oh man, we just we preach the Pauline gospel, we preach the Pauline gospel. You ain't preached it yet until you preach this. You've stopped short. Now, here it is from the Passion Translation, that last phrase in verse 27, Christ embedded within us, becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for His people. And God wants everyone to know it. God wants everyone to know it. It requires the glory of God in you to effectively glorify God through you. Now, I don't want to offend anybody tonight and I don't want anybody to get upset with me or anything like that, all right? But we have so watered down what it means to glorify God. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying, you know, if you help somebody, you know, you're glorifying him in some way. I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle that or discount that. Lord knows that we need more people who are willing to serve and do things in the body of Christ, okay? But, when we get over into what it looks like for a human being to glorify God, we're talking about something that we cannot do without Him. We're not talking about something that a man or a woman who has not yet been born again and therefore does not have the treasure of God's glory in their earthen vessel. We're not talking about something that that, that only can be done you know it's like well, whether you're born again or not, we can do this and we're talking about we're talking about works on a level that can only be accomplished through you if the glory of God is in you and and working in and through your life. Now, hope means expectation. so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about that, okay? If Jesus lives in us. What kind of life should we expect to live? Or how about this question? How are your expectations, my expectations, our expectations, how are our expectations any different from those who do not have Jesus living in them? I'm concerned that a large portion of the body of Christ has no greater expectations for the future, for their families for the manifestations of of, of God and His Spirit in their life than someone who doesn't even know God? My friend, these things shouldn't be. Should Jesus living in us not produce a new level of expectation and a new realm of possibilities? So we've got expectations with Jesus living in you, and then we've got expectations without Jesus living in you. And if we've got Jesus living in us, we should have a whole different set of expectations than those who are only mere men and women. We are not mere men and women. Now, we've looked at this verse, these verses before, but let's go to them again. Ephesians 3, 19 and 20, it says, To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You do realize this is a Bible verse. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now we don't see the word expectation here. But notice he's talking about expectations. He's talking about God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. The Lord spoke to Matthew years ago. He said, my, my people are asking very little and thinking very small. I'm paraphrasing basically. In other words, Father is, is a God who, can, who, who wants to exceed your expectations. But we set the bar so low with our expectations, we don't really give him anything to 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 exceed so to speak or to speak of. You still with me up in here? Now, he says that he's able to do not just barely above, not just abundantly above, but exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Do you see how he's wanting to exceed your expectations? He's wanting to do more than you think. He's wanting to do above and beyond in huge measures what you're able to imagine, what you're able to come up with and ask Him for. But notice now, He's able to do that not just according to His power sitting on the throne in heaven, but He's able to do it according to the power that's already in you and working in you. You've got power in you that you don't know about. I've got power in me that we haven't tapped into yet. If this verse is true and it's the word of God, and so it's absolutely true. So let's, let's kind of, I'm trying to walk you through this real slow like tonight, okay? So what then is this power that works in us? We need to understand this power that works in us because it should be what's determining our expectations. Our expectations should not be based upon what we've experienced up until this point. Our expectations should not be based upon what religion says God is up to these days. Our expectations should not certainly be based upon what the world says is possible. Our expectations should be based upon we have the glory of God in us, we have the power of God in us, Christ in us, the confident expectation of the glory of God working through us. Getting stirred up about this now. Now, we've covered some of these things already, but I'm just going to, again, we can't hear them too many times, okay? So let's kind of work our way through this. We were created for glory. This concept, this truth, this, this, this reality of the glory of God being in you, it shouldn't seem strange to us. This shouldn't cause religiously minded people to, to be taken aback. We were created for glory. When God created us, He crowned us with glory. God created man with glory when He, should say, when he created us. But what happened? Sin caused us to fall short of God's glory. We could take the time we have, I'll show you every one of these verses. It's exactly what the Bible says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what did God do? What was His answer? God solved our sin problem, and in the process, He solved our coming up short of His glory problem. He didn't just solve your sin problem so He could say, I solved your sin problem, now go try not to sin anymore. He solved the sin problem once and for all, to pave the way, to make it possible for His glory to be in you and on you once again. So what do we know? We know that glory was your origin and glory is your destiny. I had to get up and walk around the church for a few minutes. It's our origin and our destiny. And here's the reality of it. You cannot bear the fruit and do the works you were destined by God to do without him and his glory working in your life. Father God knew that. So what did he say? Well, I guess they just won't ever do what I created them to do. No. He's like, it's going to cost me more than anything ever has or ever will cost anybody in all of eternity. It's going to cost me my only son but I'm going to pay that price for them so that they can have my glory in them so that they can then do the works and bear the fruit that I created them to bear and do. Now, I'm going to just keep walking you through this little bit by little bit, okay? So we've learned and spent time in the past talking about these things, but remember, God is an eternal community. And he lives or exists in absolute communion. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are uncreated. They have always been and they will always be. And if you think about it hard enough and long enough, every theory of our existence that does not include in the beginning God, okay, runs into an unsolvable problem, an unresolvable issue. And that is, you always run headlong into something, somewhere, somehow, must have always been. And what you're running into in that thought process is God. He's he's not created. He's not a man. He's not a man. He's an uncreated being of infinite glory, infinite power, infinite love. He exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are an eternal community, and they exist in absolute communion. What does that mean? It means they exist to give glory to one another and to receive glory from one another. Now, Each member of the Godhead gives glory to and receives glory from the others. Take a deep breath. You and I were created to join, to be joined to, and to be one with this eternal community. Okay? Now, obviously, I'm not taking the time to go show you every verse in the Old Testament and New Testament that supports this. But if, if you have spent any time whatsoever in the Word of God, you know the Bible supports everything I'm saying here. It's just what happens is we read a little bit about one of these things in one place in the Bible, and then however many days or weeks or some cases, people years later, they read a little bit more about something else, and they never connect them together in, in, in the order that I'm, I'm spelling them out for you here. I'm trying to see I'm trying to show you the continuity. I'm trying to show you the plans and purposes of God. Our origin was glory, our destiny's glory. He created us for glory. He crowned us for glory. We fell short of the glory because of our sin. So he resolved our sin problem so he could give us his glory once again. Now, the uncreated eternal community created a being in their image and likeness, to receive glory from them and to give glory to them. If we were created, listen, this is what I was going to say. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is what I was going to say just a minute ago and I, I got too excited. Let me come back to it. For the record, none of us decided this. It wasn't like I said, God, you either create me to be one with you or don't create me at all. You either create me and crown me with glory. You just leave me uncreated, big guy. He decided every bit of this. It's amazing to me how we argue about this. There's no way. I I don't care what the Bible says. I can't be. I didn't decide this. It's not my place to to reject it and to resist it and to say no. It's my place to read it and submit myself to it and humble myself to it. Father, if if this is what you've got in store for me, then who am I to say no to it? The uncreated eternal community created a being in their image and likeness to receive glory from them and to give glory to them. Do we have any problem whatsoever to believe that Father God gives glory to the Son and, and receives glory from the Son? Do we have any problem whatsoever believing? Are you seeing what I'm saying? We see it in Scripture. We, we even see like when, when Jesus was here among us, He said, I'm, I won't speak of myself, I'm only going to speak of my Father. Jesus didn't glorify himself on the earth. He glorified his Father. And he told us, he said, listen now, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to have to realize something. He's not going to talk about himself. He's going to talk about me. Holy Spirit wasn't here to glorify the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was here to glorify Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth, he wasn't here to glorify himself. He was here to glorify uh, the Father, point people to the Father, point people to the Holy Spirit. this, This is how the Godhead operates so we have no problem believing whatsoever, have no trouble whatsoever, that, you know, okay, Jesus gives glory to the Father, the Father gives glory to the Holy Spirit, and they, 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 they speak to and point to and glorify one another and receive glory from one another. Okay? So why should we think it so strange that God created you to be one with Him, to be a part of His eternal community, that He desires to both give glory to you and receive glory from you? If I, was to, if I was to change the word glory for love, it'd probably make a lot of people more comfortable that we were created to be loved by God and we were created to give love to God. God is love. Yes, he is. And, was, and, and all that's 100% true. I mean, again, verse after verse, read First John. But see, when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about everything that God is. God is love. I don't want to freak you out, but if we're going to make one a subset of the other, glory is not a subset of love. Love is a subset of glory. Love is a part of the glory of God. It's a part of who He is. We could say it this way. Love is behind who He is. Love is, is, is behind what He has, and love is behind what He does. Jesus did everything He did on this earth because He loved people. The Bible says He was moved with compassion. He was moved in His guts. These people are like sheep with no shepherd. They're lost, they're hungry, they're confused. He didn't even want to send people home without anything to eat. It didn't matter they didn't have enough food or no grocery store um, to go buy it from. I believe they had enough money. You don't have to believe that. I believe they had enough money to buy the food. But, you know, it's like, you know, what grocery stores, I mean, Publix up here don't have enough bread on the shelf to feed uh, 10,000 people right now. But that didn't matter, it didn't stop him. Because the glory of God in him could meet any need. And Father God is interested in feeding hungry people. Amen. And he's interested in feeding hungry people more than they even need to eat. He, 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 I mean, I'm staying away from the buffets, but I'm telling you, God's a God of a buffet. Amen. It's just in heaven you eat the buffet, you don't get fat. Amen. Pops and I were talking about Golden Crow the other day. I'm like, man, Pops, I had. I, mm, don't be talking to me about that. I don't even want to start thinking about it. Amen. Now, this brings us then to, I think, what is a, another valid question. How can we, the created, bring anything of value to the table of the uncreated? I mean, he can he created us and and when we think about you know god the holy spirit's ability to give glory to jesus and receive glory from jesus and now we're supposed to kind of like be not kind of like we're supposed to absolutely be a part of that how 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 you know i think this is another one of those hang-ups and hiccups that people run into because they don't they don't see how in the world the created can bring anything of value to the table of the uncreated are are we not like outsiders and far less than the than the deity who created us how is it possible for us to give glory to him well the answer is very simple jesus on earth as the son of man is our example to learn from and follow where this point or this question is concerned did jesus glorify god the father as a man Jesus, we're getting somewhere now. Did he glorify God the Father as a man? See, this is why the devil never wants religion, never wants you, the devil never wants you to recognize the humanity of Jesus. The, The Religion, the church, the devil. When I say the church, I'm talking about religiousized church. I'm not talking about the true church. Never wants you to acknowledge or recognize that Jesus did everything that He did on this earth as a man. He emptied Himself of the glory that He had always had with the Father. Came to this earth, humbled Himself as a human being, and Jesus glorified Him big time on this earth as a man. How did he do it? Well, here's the answer. Jesus allowed the Father to live in him and work through him. Well, Jesus wasn't just being falsely humble when he said, I cannot do anything without my Father. We we, we 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 read that and we think, well, I mean, Jesus, come on. You, you you could put your sandal on, couldn't you? I mean, you could brush your teeth, couldn't you? I mean, it's, see, again, we... We're not just talking about, um, you know, blowing the leaves off the parking lot at the church. We're talking about next-level works. Jesus allowed the Father to live in Him and work through Him. This dynamic enabled Jesus to do good works that revealed the glory of God to people. Can we look at one last verse? I know it's 8-11. You still with me tonight? I've taken that endurance part uh, to, to, to literal. Okay, can we go? Can you got time for one more verse? Okay, it was actually a set of verses. John fourteen. John fourteen. Verse nine. Jesus said to him, "Have I been with you so long, and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father." So how can you say, show us the Father? Now, I'm not trying to freak you out, but just listen to me, please. Father's will for you and for me is for when people see you, for them to see Jesus. When they see you, they see him. Okay? Do you not believe, Jesus speaking here, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. He's showing us the pattern here. He's, um, He's done it plenty of other times in his earthly ministry and teaching, but here, once again... He's explaining to us how He opened blinded eyes. He's explaining to us how He raised the dead. He's explaining to us how He cast out devils. His Father in Him was working through Him. His Father was doing all of that. Jesus had a treasure in His earthen vessel. It was the glory that His Father gave to Him. The glory that Jesus manifested every time He performed a miracle on this earth was not the glory that He had as the eternal Son of God in heaven. He took that off and laid it aside and came to this earth as a human being and he received glory his father gave him glory just like he's given you glory come on now <sighs> do you not believe that i'm in the father and the father in me the words that i speak to you i do not speak i my own authority but the father who dwells in me the father who dwells in me he does the works Believe in me that I, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Now stop right here. Now you got two levels or two degrees of belief. In other words, he's saying, "Look, you can believe that I'm the Son of God because you've seen me do miracles." But if you want to do these same works yourself, you're going to have to go to the next level and you're going to have to believe that the Father is in me and that I'm in the Father. Do you see this? Okay, I'm, I'm, I think I've gone a little too long. Let's, let's read these and we'll finish, okay? Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, anytime Jesus said that, he's about to say something that's going to potentially just blow the religious mind right out of people, Okay. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do you see the levels? Jesus is in the Father, the Father is in Jesus, the Father is in Jesus working through Jesus. Now, we're born again. You can stand with me. We're born again. Where are we? We're in Jesus. Jesus is in us. But because we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us and Jesus is in the Father and the Father's in Jesus, we're in Jesus. G- it's the transitive property of uh, being in God, in the Godhead, right? You remember the transitive property from math? If A equals B and A equals C, then B, what is it? I don't know. Help me, Daniel. You're the straight A student. But y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I used to know what that was, but anyway, then, yeah, then they both equal the same thing, right? If, if both, if, if A and B equal the same, if A equals C and B equals C, then A equals B. Thank you. If we're in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father, then that means we're also in the Father. If the Father's in Jesus and, and, and Jesus is in us, then the Father's in us. Jesus replied, the Passion Translation, Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I'm living in the Father? Even my words are not my own but come from my Father. For he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me believe that I live as one with my father and that my father lives as one with me or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done I tell you this timeless truth the person who follows me in faith believing in me will do the same mighty miracles that I do even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my father for I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name and that is how the son will show what the father is really like and bring glory to him My friend, religion hadn't told you the truth. Religion's trying to tell you this Christian life is just about trying to be good and help a few folks along the way and try not to sin too bad and make it to heaven one day when you die. It's a lot more to it than that. Not what you have to do, it's what you get to do. It's what you get to do. I heard Brother Copeland say it one time. He said, you know, you've never really lived until you felt a a crippled baby's feet uh, change and become every bit whole in your hand as you grip them and pray for them. Now, can Kenneth Copeland do that by himself? No. But can the glory of God in him do that through him? Yeah. And the same is true for you and me. So, but now you say, Pastor Mark, if that was—if what you're saying is true—and I'm—you're you're, kind of convincing me. But if what you're saying is true, why—why why aren't we seeing that? Because we don't expect it. Amen. Comes back to expectations. Christ in you gives you every right to expect the glory of God to be realized in your life, reality. But you know, we are expecting what people don't even know, God. And it's sad to me. A lot of Christians are expecting less than what the world expects. There's, Sometimes people in the world have more hope and less depressed than... Anyway, Father, you're good to us. Thank you. Oh, Father, thank you. I feel satisfied in my heart, Lord, tonight with what we've covered and how we've covered it. Thank you for helping me, Lord. Thank you for revealing your truth to us. Father, helping us pull up some of those weeds that religion planted in our thoughts, our belief system, Father. Things that that we were told, Lord, about you that aren't true. Father, thank you for the word that you gave to us through Brother Donald, that, that you are generous with your glory, Father. Lavish it upon us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us what we need to bear the fruit and do the works and shine the light that glorify you and reveal to this world full of darkness who you truly are. Father, I thank you for this Wednesday night bunch, both online and in the room. (laughs) Lord, they're a bunch of folks that are just all in for you. And I thank you, Father, for rewarding them, for diligently seeking you tonight with these precious treasures of wisdom and revelation and comprehension, Lord, things that money can't buy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for being patient with me. I needed to get some of that stated. Amen. That was my introduction.